0: Hey, everybody, Melissa McKenzie here with the Spectacle Podcast. Joining me is Scott McKay, the Louisiana, the Raging Cajun uh, man of the hayride. Doing that. I don't know why she keeps
1: doing that. James Carl have- is Raging Cajun, Raging Cajun and not me. Well, What, what are you? Huh?
0: What are um,
1: you? I don't know. We'll have to come up with a moniker for me, but Raging Cajun is definitely not it.
0: okay so anyway we have the the um editor of the hayride and reviver.com and uh contributing and
1: and well done
0: the american spectator thank you scott uh anyway and this week we have lots to talk about in fact i feel like we have too much to talk about because a lot is going on We're going to start with, um, I don't know if all of you have watched the interview between uh, uh, Donald Trump and the MSNBC hostess. Um, And for those of you who haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. If you're a politician watching this uh, podcast, I highly recommend watching it because it is a masterclass on how to not let the interviewer frame the debate and, um, Trump, it's one of his best interviews. And basically, uh, it got a lot of people upset though, on the right in the pro-life movement. Um, people are like, Trump has abandoned us. This is terrible, blah, 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 blah. I 100% disagree with everybody's take so far that I've heard, um, because I think Trump is doing the right thing, and and in all of this, um, I blame the discussion around abortion right now that we're having that we're having to have the and by we I mean conservatives are having to have on Lindsey Graham, so in the post Dobbs uh, time. Lindsey Graham, within a couple weeks, said, made a big hubbaloo and introduced legislation at the national level to um, stop abortion or put abortion ban nationally at 15 weeks. First off, as you and I talked about, Scott, that's a non-starter. It's never going to happen. And what yeah. immediately happened is all the oxygen got sucked out of the joy of the post-Obs decision. And every single senator and every single Republican politician across the Fruited Plains was put on the hot spot by the media asking if they were going to do this. And it galvanized the left and it motivated people to come out in, for the midterms, especially young women. And Lindsey Graham knew what he was doing. He's no Uh friend to the conservative movement. He's no friend to the pro-life movement. He um, is a slick political operator. And I put what he did on the same level as Nancy Pelosi, purposefully not having the kind of uh, security around the House during the January 6th stuff. It was sabotage, right. it was purposeful, Absolutely. and what Lindsey Graham just did, what he did was sabotage and it was purposeful. And so now a guy like Trump is put on the hot seat and the question from the uh, MSNBC uh, tartlet was, are you going to push for this legislation and are you going to sign it? Now, what Trump did was very sophisticated, and what all Republicans who want to get elected should do, which is he basically said, This is not a non starter. It's not going to happen. So I'm not going to, you know, answer that. And um, it's good that it's being decided at the state level. And furthermore, um, Democrats want abortion all the way to birth. And so when and he repeated that seven times, seven times, he brought it back and talked about how the Democrats want to literally kill babies. And when she said, no, they don't, he brought up uh, the Virginia Governor Northam, who's a medical doctor, who had a bill where you could kill a baby after birth who had been born alive. And um, she was sputtered, well, that's not a national consensus on the left. But it is the national consensus on the left. And it's absolutely what they're looking for. And Trump dumped it back into their court and went on offense with the abortion issue, which is where we were post-Dobbs, until Lindsey Graham came along. And all of you, from Ben Shapiro to Elizabeth Stucky or whatever her name is, and the All the different folks out there who are not seeing this for what it is, Ron DeSantis cannot get elected nationally. He's not going to get the moderate women who we need, to, who any Republican candidate needs to get elected um, against Joe Biden because of this very issue if we're talking about a national abortion ban. I'm sorry, and it's a non-starter anyway. So um, this has got me so irritated, mostly at the political commentators on the right who are being, um, who are not understanding what Trump is trying to do here. Is Trump still a friend of the pro-life right? Of course he is. Can he uh, frame the debate the way he did pre-2016? He, no, he cannot. Things have changed. Dobbs, you know, changed everything. And so the where we want this argument to be is to be at the state level. We have federalism for a reason. And why are conservatives wanting a national law? I mean, personally, I believe that abortion from conception is wrong. All right? So just in case anybody's out there thinking I'm some sort of squish. But I have the sense to know that that is not the national consensus and that is not what the average person thinks should be happening most americans are somewhat nuanced on this they want a morning after pill to be available for a girl if she has unprotected sex and has an oopsie she they um in certain cases they want um a woman to be able to choose. I disagree with this, okay? But most people are more moderate on this issue than the radicals on the far left, which was what Trump was bringing out. And the people who I think, let me be clear, are right all the way on the right about this issue. I believe that life begins at conception. I also think that this is a heart and mind issue. It's a spiritual issue and not a political one ultimately. And so that is something that we need some sort of national revival before we can talk about a national law and, and why are we okay with a half measure of 15 weeks? If that's what you truly believe, why are you falling on your sword for a national law that does not protect all life? So let's get do as much as we can at the state level and acknowledge the fact that New York and California are full with filled with godless heathens who want to kill babies. It's a terrible thing, but there's a lot of convincing that needs to be done before a law could be passed to protect babies there and to convince women that it's in their best interest to... Um, uh, and their long-term health and well-being to protect life. That they, right now the women have been sold a bill of go- goods, and I'm talking a lot right now because I'm passionate about this, that they believe that this is a freedom issue for themselves, but what they don't understand and they understand once they've had an abortion, that they're never free. That they will have to live with that choice. They either have to live with the baby that they have, or they have to live with the, the choice to be someone who murdered their own child, and that doesn't go away just because it's legal. That, that sense of guilt and shame does not go away, and the, the abortion movement has nothing to help the women who have um, suffered through this decision. And too many women learn too late what a mistake it is. And the women who don't learn that have a hardened soul because of the choice that they made. And it, it affects them for the rest of their life too in other ways. Anyway, so I only bring this up. I have a post coming up tomorrow where I link to the Trump interview. Everybody should watch it and watch it with rational Eyes and not this kind of um, fantasy land idealism, and the commentators on the right who are encouraging this nonsense, stop it! There is no way this law is come would ever get passed. No way, and it shouldn't even be on the table as it is. Anyway, Scott, what are your thoughts about this? I've I'm okay. uh- uh- blabbing about it.
1: Four things. Um, number one, uh, if Donald Trump wants to be uh, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer or whoever it is that the Democrats end up sending up. Mm-hmm. OK, he is going to have to present himself as the candidate of the center and not of the right. Mm-hmm. Um And the reason is, is that the Democrats have gone so far left that they've actually turned people like Elon Musk and Joe Rogan into de facto conservatives, Um, even though those guys really kind of paint themselves more as old school liberals than they do, um, you know, anything else. So you have got to make yourself somebody that those guys can identify with so that the, the cultural zeitgeist is that, well, Trump has his flaws, but you know he's more or less where the country is. Mm-hmm. So right. on an issue like abortion, he's actually got an opportunity because he doesn't have hardcore pro-life credentials in that he's never really, I mean, he was never a pro-life activist, but he he has credibility with the pro-life movement because- Look at the judges that he appointed. Right. All right. So, um, what Trump is doing? I mean, I, you know, it's hard to to go throw bombs at Trump over that interview when what Trump actually is doing is um, reestablishing himself as sort of a. Um, well, I mean, what I have always said about Trump is that he was a radical centrist. Right. right. He was never really a conservative per se. He not he hadn't walked the walk with the conservatives. But what he did was he broke the Republican Party out of the Bush Republicanism that had persisted from 1988 through 2012. Um, because you know he, he represented really, maybe not completely accurately, but accurately enough, all of these independents who were conservative independents that had gotten disgusted with the republican party over the years trump was the vessel that brought those people back into the fold to a large measure and that's where you know he was able to win in 16 and Mitt romney wasn't Um, so you know that's kind of the value of trump and it shows back up in this you know the second thing is picking up on something you said we don't have a culture of life in this country Okay, And until you have one, and let me tell you something, there's so much work to do before you're going to be anywhere near having a culture of life that you need to talk about that long before you start talking about making laws that cover places like California New York. Um, The third thing is uh, that this is of a piece with the American Spectator column that I've got. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday this went up this morning about how the rhinos and I would absolutely include Lindsey Graham in that uh, the rhinos always use the left against the right okay and you know later on in the podcast we're going to talk about the Ken Paxton impeachment which is a perfect example of that Um, you know What's happened to Chris McDaniel in three straight elections in Mississippi, twice for the Senate, and just recently for lieutenant governor, where they're, you know, it's an open primary. So they could dragoon black Democrats to come vote in the Republican primary to beat Chris McDaniel. And it's the rhino kind of Haley Barber machine in Mississippi that keeps doing this, mm-hmm. you know, which is why Thad Cochran got reelected and then why Cindy Hyde-Smith is a U.S. senator even though she's a complete empty suit. And you could have had an actual controversial conservative, but guess what? In Mississippi, you can get guys like that, because that's pretty much where the Republican voters are, and they're going to beat the Democrats in every single general election in Mississippi, so it works. Um, and you, you, know, you need some Republican radicals to balance off the Democrat radicals.
0: Right,
1: You know, that's the the one thing that I hate Mitch McConnell for more than anything else is you could have six or eight hardcore Republican, almost Marjorie Taylor Greene types in the Senate if he would let the hardcore conservative states elect them. Um, And then those guys would be the ones that, you know, the, the John Cornyns of the world could say, hey. You got to cut me some slack on this because these guys are going to take my party over otherwise and maybe be able to negotiate some things if they would be willing to make those negotiations. The point is, Lindsey Graham goes and sabotages those people. And there were a few of them in last year's elections who actually won Republican primaries because the GOP electorate is there. That's how you right. get a Don Boldick. It's how you get um, you know, a masters in Arizona. It's how you get. Um, some of these great conservatives that ended up getting sabotaged. One of the reasons that they got sabotaged was Lindsey Graham bringing that bill. And then the last thing is this. You don't have any political credibility when for 50 years after Roe v. Wade, the, the conservative message on abortion was this needs to be a state issue. Right? Right. That's what everybody thought was, if we could ever get rid of Roe v. Wade, okay, we could bring this thing back to the states and we can save the maximum amount of people by passing all of these bills in the red states and having them stand. Nobody ever thought that you could pull that off in Illinois. Nobody ever thought you could pull it off in Massachusetts. Okay. That was never in the conversation. Why? Because you don't have the culture of life. All right. So- The minute that Roe v. Wade gets overturned in the Dobbs decision and all of the red states that had passed the abortion ban bills where they're doable in a Texas, in a Mississippi, in a Louisiana, in a Tennessee, in an Oklahoma, wherever, okay, boom, now you've won and you need to defend your ground in those states and then let the results of your policies, which are objectively better, than these awful Democrat abortion-on-demand policies are in an Illinois or a a Michigan or a Massachusetts or New York or whatever, all right? That's where you win. And immediately, we're going to go basically be Indian givers on this deal. Oh, no, 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 we're we're for federalism and we're for the states. Nope, 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 nope. Now we're going to go try and pass it in Congress. when, Like you said, you can't do it. It's pandering to the pro-life movement. But the big thing is, is that you're violating one of the core things that you've been telling the American people for 50 years. This is the kind of crap the Democrats do, okay? And they can get away with it because they harvest ballots and they have people on welfare that are dependent on the government and all those kinds of things. Republicans win elections when they convince people that their position is true and that they have the credibility and competence to follow through on it, all right? So, when you start doing this stuff, first of all, it's a fundraising ploy, all right? right. This is everybody's going out raising money on on this thing right. from the the hardcore pro-life people who, you know, God love them. they I mean, they believe abortion is murder, and they're pretty rigid on that. And I get it, but they're not they're not politicians, okay? They're not the people right. that are out there winning elections. Right. So you know, you go and you do this, and everything about it is wrong. And right. uh, of course, the big thing is, is there's no good faith associated with it because what, like you said, what Lindsey Graham did was not an attempt to push a pro life agenda. It was an attempt to sabotage pro life politicians in states where they could win but weren't guaranteed to. Right. And so, and this was done. Not only was it done after the Dobbs decision, it was done after the Republican primaries were held. Yeah. So what this was is this was a punishment. Of Republican voters for nominating in these state primaries for the U.S. Senate, people that are not like Lindsey Graham. Okay, they wanted—I can't remember the other one's name. They wanted the other one and not Don Bolden, right? right. They wanted the other one and not Blake Masters. Right. All right, all of these different, yep. these different folks. They—I mean—they wanted to make sure that it was their candidate. When their candidate didn't go in. They, they looked at it and they said, you know what? We're not going to let these conservatives win. So let's go ahead and let's friggin' tear up, tear the abortion issue out of, of the state ambit that it was in and let's turn it into a national issue that mobilizes the Democrats and they'll, you know, they won't beat our people, but they will beat those conservatives.
0: Here's the thing with with that, Scott. All the
1: time along these lines.
0: This is where, this is where I have, Said and people are like shocked that the there are Republicans in Washington D.C. Lindsey Graham being one of them who would prefer a Democrat to deal with than they would a conservative Republican, I and that Mitch McConnell's is, made that clear since two thousand seven exactly. Mitch McConnell too, and and I think and he did he would have preferred to lose. Then to win and have to be responsible with being on offense. Yes. And and defend the, the legislation that he'd have to bring. I right. think people don't understand like the, the power that a guy like Mitch McConnell has being slightly in the minority and how that can be appealing. Yep. Um, and so like it, it's unfathomable to people who like to win and not lose. But for the entrenched power brokers in DC, the best thing that can happen is for there not to be changed because way, the way they make money and the way that they grift and that the way they have power is to keep things going the same way they've always gone. And so, someone like Trump, if you wonder why he's got you know all of these indictments and you wonder why they're coming at him with all not one of them they're every single one of them is unprecedented and it has no legal really is is flimsy legally it's a made-up thing right it, every one of them has
1: a novel legal theory
0: novel legal theory yeah um,
1: indict a former president of the united states on a novel legal theory and it's right. like what is that the country we not live
0: once in? but yes. four yes. times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So and and we see this to your point, Scott. We were talking beforehand about what's happening here in Texas with um the Attorney General Ken Paxton, who, by the way, the, the left has been after since the man got elected, however many years ago. This has been going on and on and on. And um so we have you have a couple different camps, and this is always the case, right? You've got the moderates who are working with the Democrats to kneecap someone they hate. And you have to keep in mind here in Texas, just like you were talking about Haley Barber in Mississippi, here in Texas, you've got the Bushies, and they are constantly yeah. messing things up, yes, and what they do is they work with. Moderates who are really in any other state would be a Democrat, but they have to be a Republican to get elected in Texas. And then they 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 triangulate with the Democrats and then um, go after anybody who's effective, who's conservative. And yes. so why they're going after Ken Paxton is not because of his affair or supposed whatever. Why they're going after him is because he has been effective especially in the city of Houston in dealing with all the corruption and the, um, the vote harvesting schemes that Sheila Jackson, Jackson Lee is trying to, um, you know, entrench in, in, uh, in, uh, Houston like has been in Philadelphia and Detroit and Chicago, where there's a full machine and she's running for mayor in Houston right now. And, uh, looks like she's not going to get elected the problem is there's it's a three-way split right now um which is always dangerous and there's probably going to be a runoff um but she's just terrible like terrible and so like ken paxton has been effective in dealing with this kind of thing and the bushy people don't like him they want him gone now you have Then you have a section here, and I, I got into an argument with a dear friend of mine here who is a, a principled person and um, is offended by Ken Paxton not being able to keep it in his pants. So it's kind of like this is the same thing that happened on January 6th. You've got a, a, a segment of the conservative movement who found the fact that people were um, aggressively, let's say, protesting, they found it noxious. And so they're like, throw the book at them. They don't wanna hear anything more about the details of what actually happened because it was a front, just what they saw was enough of an affront to their sensibilities because they believe in the rule of law and everything. And that is used against conservatives and it's being used against conservatives here in Texas because right. conservatives do believe in the rule of law and they do have standards. The left doesn't have any so that well, they can't it, possibly have be violated. You well, know, this, so,
1: this this comes back to what I'm saying about how the <laughs> rhino crowd uses the left against the right. Right. So right. You, you, you like, OK, they're going to protest the stolen election on January 6th. Okay. We're going to assault the crowd with agents provocateur, and we're going to turn a protest into a riot.
0: Right.
1: And so the audience for this is the goody uh, Mm two-shoes conservative crowd who, you know, believes all of the the things that everybody believes, but cannot stand a mess. Right. So the left is like, well, let's just make things messy. Right. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is make things messy and it will peel off. The goody-two-shoes Republican crowd, you know, and then the the leaders of the goody-two-shoes Republican crowd who cannot govern, okay, the Bush has proved that completely, right? right? This is their opportunity. Oh, we're going to take the party back from these wacko conservatives. Mm Mm-hmm. When most of the worst, let's say, wacko conservatives are the ones that understand politics as Democrats play it, Mm -hmm. and say, well, let's let's operate the way the Democrats do, and there, thereby we can get balance. Right. Mm -hmm. So they spent the entire year of 2020 burning down cities, right? And having riots in order that they could gin up their vote. We'll have one very vigorous protest on January 6th and will scare the hell out of these people. Yep. And well, it will- Not that well executed, mind you. It was a trap and they fell into it. Yeah. The theory of this is, yeah, good for the goose, good for the gander. Let's scare the hell out of them and make them realize there are limits on what they can do over the next four years with Joe Biden as president, okay? Yeah. I don't think that there's anything particularly wrong with that. The problem is- you're trying to think like Democrats, they're already thinking like Democrats. right? <laughs> so their answer is, aha, send the Antifa people into the building. Right. right? So that's how the thing becomes a mess. And this is always a mess. You try to pass a, a ban on pediatric sex changes at the legislature, they will send an army of freaks to your capital and testify at your committee hearing and make the ordinary Republicans who don't really want to have these fights absolutely yep. turn white with fear over the idea that they have to be seen in a room with these crazy nut jobs that are talking about how important it is that they can cut their genitals off. Right. They don't want any part of it. And they're like, oh, my God, why did you even bring this bill? And it's like, huh. mm-hmm. well, when they try to trans your kid, you may think differently. Right. Right. And so this is like this is the this is the thing that is going to have to be fixed at some point within the right if you're going to get that american revival which is you are going to have to train whether it's the moderates or the kind of you know the old line was movement conservatives right you're going to have to train these people to understand that hey life is messy and politics is worse Okay, and the other side is going to make trouble when we try to move our agenda forward or even stop their agenda from going forward. And if you don't have the stones to stand in there and fight, then we're going to lose and it will be your fault. Once you get to that point where the moderates are like, I'm not going to lead on this, but I will follow. Now you can get somewhere. Right. But you will never get somewhere when the Lindsey Grahams have the power to stop it with sabotage.
0: Right. Yeah. And and the thing is, Trump gets this. Yes. Just why he's communicating the way he is. He completely yes. understands the, the fact that the, um, I, I just, you know, I if you have idealism, if you're an idealist, don't be in politics. Spend your time, money, capital, and energy doing mission work. And I'm not even joking about this. This is, you have to understand the milieu you're in. You're in. Right. And I'm not suggesting that you do something illegal or immoral or whatever. I am suggesting, though, that you have an understanding of what it means to, and what it takes to get elected. You know, when- oh, and I mean, and George Bush knew that, you know the nasty things that he did to John McCain. I think in South Carolina, right? You know, playing on the racism there. Yeah, he, he was dirty, dirty. Mitt Romney, dirty, dirty, to get elected. Yeah, well, but it's always dirty, dirty inside the party, right? Which is yeah. you know with
1: with Bush and McCain. I mean, those two guys were absolutely two sides of the same coin. I mean, yeah. there was no, uh, there was. I mean, it was a a matter of personalities between those guys. But I mean, you couldn't find a policy that they disagreed on. Right.
0: Um,
1: Or if you could, it was because Bush was lying about
0: what he was for. Right. Right. Right.
1: Um, but I mean, I, you know,
0: but, it, they, yeah, but
1: they're willing to burn that, the other Republicans down, but to, right. to go do that to, to the Democrats, it's like, well, mm-hmm. no, they're an asset to me. I don't want to burn them down.
0: Well, exactly. And which why why they never do. Why you know Mc- Why McCain screwed the conservatives on the Obamacare vote? Yeah. Why? Because spite. Absolutely. And so, um, and Lindsey Graham doing what he did with the um abortion ban at fifteen weeks was the same. And all of the people who are sitting there and going, you know, so great, so brave, are either willfully uh ignoring what the consequence of that was or, um, you know, are looking for an excuse to not support Trump anyway. And Trump's going to be the nominee, you know? And so what are you going to do? Barring something weird happening. I think that's clear. Okay. So then what are you going to do? Keep all the pro-life people, encourage the pro-life people to stay at home and that Trump is your enemy when he's the best chance for more, um, uh, pro-life, um, you know, uh, activist well, dreams coming true you know joe biden is absolutely opposite to that so seriously right. so you're going to depress your own voters because uh he's he, he's not a doctrinaire on this i it's just as annoying well and i mean you
1: know and the thing of it is if you're a pro-life you know voter or activist and you're listening to this The thing you got to remember is you just had a massive victory, yeah. Okay, with Dobbs, all right, and you know whatever you think of Trump, just
0: one victory. I mean, there's victories all across the states. I mean, yeah, well, that victory,
1: that victory basically energized all of those states that had passed their abortion ban laws, you know, before Roe v. Wade went out, you know, out of style, and it was like, look, when Roe gets overturned, this bill goes into effect. And they all boom, 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 when it went in. Went in the, so in other words, you had this sweeping victory on this issue. Mm-hmm. You know that your policies will work better and will produce more happiness than what the left does with abortion on demand in the state's state control. Which means that if you can consolidate that victory. Yeah. then you will make the battlegrounds of the abortion issue the blue states okay that's how you go on right. offense. you're gonna beat them for, you know whatever a michigan might turn into a pro-life state right okay when you have horrid abortion clinics and all this different stuff whatever or if you win if you win races in those states and get the state legislature or get a governor or whatever by not talking about abortion in a state where it's popular, but you can win as a Republican, then you can go and get restrictions on it. You can elect an attorney general who all of a sudden is going to go after the abortion clinics on safety things and regulation violations and do all of the things to them that the left does to legitimate businesses when they're in charge. Right. Okay. You that now you can do those things and at the same time you can message about. you know, the butcher shops that these abortion clinics are and get people thinking about them a different way. Or if you control a state legislature in a blue state, which there are plenty of Republican state legislative majorities in blue states, defund Planned Parenthood where you can do it. Okay. And let the left scream about how they don't have enough tax dollars going to the number one donor of their politicians. And then you can frame the issue that way. There's a million ways you can win on abortion. All right. Like what I don't understand is we don't have a hard and fast ban on federal funding going to uh, Planned Parenthood. I don't want to talk about an abortion ban until this gets fixed. Right. Make that happen because, oh, by the way. okay. And these guys spend hundreds of millions of dollars in every cycle, and 99% of that money goes to Democrat politicians, okay? cut that spigot off, and you will change American politics. Whether you change the abortion issue or not, you make progress on all kinds of other issues because the Democrats don't have the fuel to win these elections. And by the way, you know what other business plan Parenthood is in? Not just selling body parts of kids that have uh, been aborted, They're in the trans game now. The Planned Parenthood is the number one distributor of puberty blockers.
0: And cross-sex hormones.
1: Yes, they are the people destroying children. All right, so why is Planned Parenthood, which is now the enemy on a number of huge issues to conservatives, why are they not the focal point of this? Because that you can do at the federal level and should Mm -hmm. do. You control the house. There should be not a single dollar going to Planned Parenthood. And when they say, well, you know, that's for abortions, only 4% of their business. Like It doesn't matter. It's not zero. And oh, by the way, they're giving out puberty blockers. And we don't like that either. So they get no money. And all the Planned Parenthood money is now going to care pregnancy centers that our people control. And they go, oh, that's terrible. And it's like, no, it's politics. We play it the way you play it. Right. And we have the majority. Right. And all of a sudden, the spigot dries up. And now the left has to move on to another issue because the money isn't there. Because believe me, everything about the way the left operates on abortion is about money. Yeah. It's about money. It's about taxpayer dollars funneling into Planned Parenthood and the rest of the abortion industry that ends up getting siphoned back out by Democrat politicians. And if you don't understand that, you will never, ever win on that issue. Meanwhile, you have people, okay, and you've you've got them in Texas, we have them here in Louisiana. You have people who are trying their hardest to criminalize the abortion pill. Which you will never win on, okay? There are people trying to put. There are people trying to put, and I mean, this is the narrative that's now being said. There are people trying to put women who take the abortion pill, and thus thus terminate a pregnancy, in jail. Right. You're never going to win on the issue if you do, if you do that. The I mean, we've had 50 years of pro life activism, and it has managed to win on roe v wade because it went after the industry and not the women the women you try to change their minds the industry you go at them and you put them out of business right
0: right take their money okay well so we've solved that i hope all of you who are listening to this are taking this in the spirit it's given i don't know i'm i'm ardently pro-life I also know that you cannot make any difference whatsoever if you are not governing Governing, and too right. often on the right people don't understand the nuances of these politics because they're so exercised and I understand it one one yeah. murdered baby is one too many. Right. Um, We also have to understand what what we're dealing with, and a Joe Biden presidency does not get us to where we want to go. So think about that, or a you know um, Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom or whoever ends up being the. It's
1: impossible for anybody who's even remotely rational on the abortion issue to get nominated as. Even even all the way down to the Senate, really, mm-hmm. um, as a Democrat,
0: right.
1: I mean, they are they are far and away the radical party when it comes to abortion,
0: right?
1: But they they've been able to frame this narrative largely with the help of the Rhino crowd, like Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. They've been able to frame this narrative in exactly the way that hides how radical they are. Understand this poll after poll after poll. Will show that the Democrat position on abortion, which is abortion on demand up to and even after birth, has no more than 15 or 20% support by the American population. Right. Okay. And you're right. Trump needs to say that over and over and over and over again. I am not a radical because I oppose that position. Now, you know, what, what, the resulting position is when we defeat the Democrats position is up for negotiation, but you have to have me as president. If we're going to have any kind of rational solution to this, because the other side wants to kill every baby they can. And, and if you can't talk about it that way, you know, Rand Paul is as pro-life as you can get. And when Rand Paul talks about this issue, he refuses to discuss anything but the fact that the Democrats want to kill all the babies. And th- they've stopped asking him about abortion because of that. Right. Uh, you know, and then the other thing is, uh, so in other words, we're having this, uh, this uh, statewide cycle here in Louisiana. And Friday night, there was a gubernatorial debate that all of the seven major candidates uh, were in it. And abortion is a consensus issue in Louisiana. Okay, so the abortion bills that went into effect when Roe v. Wade went away, um, most of them were actually written by Katrina Jackson, who is a left-wing Democrat in the state legislature. She's you know, but she's pro-life. The Democrat governor who's outgoing went in. And he said he was pro-life, and I mean, there's 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 no real viable pro-abortion. Um, contingency in Louisiana right so what do the media idiots that run this debate do they spend 20 minutes out of the hour to start the debate on abortion right and all seven candidates said they were pro-life the one democrat in the race who is Sean Wilson who might be the worst gubernatorial candidate I've ever seen um I mean OK, you remember the Simpsons Halloween episode where they did the the Cape fear um, takeoff and sideshow Bob was Max Cady. And there's that scene where he gets out of the van and he's, he's, in, he's walking on the lawn and he steps on all the rakes and keeps getting whacked in the nose.
0: Right, right.
1: That was Sean Wilson when they were talking about the abortion thing, because he had this he had this like too cute by half answer. Well, personally, I'm pro-life. But I got you know I got a wife and I got daughters and I trust the women in my life to make the decisions like
0: that. Well, that's the Nancy Pelosi position, right there. Yeah,
1: it is. But so the deal is the way the rule, the debate rules are set up is that when somebody mentions your name in their answer, then mm-hmm. you then get you know thirty seconds to rebut it. So he goes and he does this this deal and he's gonna and he's gonna mention his position on abortion. Everybody else. Then brings up Sean Wilson's name and says, oh, yeah, by the way, that guy's pro- pro-abortion. He's lying. He says he's probably like, Secretary Wilson, what do you have to say? And then he goes and he repeats his weasel word position over and over and over again, which is why it took 20 minutes to get through the abortion <laughs> stuff. Right. It was like, it actually didn't hurt him because he's the only pro-abortion candidate in the race, and it will get him into the runoff with Jeff Landry, who's the conservative Republican attorney general that's going to win. But like, and I'm sitting there watching this and I'm like, so all of these other Republicans in the race, they're like, oh, I'm gonna score some points. I'm gonna hit Wilson up. And it's like, you just made sure that he's gonna make the runoff with Landry, who's the other Republican that you're going against. Like you're taking yourself out of the race by doing right. this. But I don't mind it because Wilson looks so bad. Right. Um, but anyway, like there is there's the next governor of Louisiana. Okay, for the next four or eight years, we'll probably make almost no policy on abortion because they've already done all the abortion ban stuff. Right. Okay, it's not there. They may add an exception here or there, whatever, but like it's pretty settled law, and there's a pretty settled um, consensus on that issue. Right. But the lefty idiots in the state media. just can't help themselves. They They've got to right? bring. Oh, we got all these Republicans that say they're pro-life, so we're going to make them say how pro-life they are. Right. And it's like, yeah, but you know, this is about. We got an insurance crisis in the state. We got criminal, you know, the, the criminals running all the cities. We got economic development that's like has to get restarted. We need tax policy. Like, we got all these things, and you wasted twenty minutes on a fetish issue for you guys that nobody agrees with you on.
0: Do you, hey, hey! But Scott, that's who the left is. Do you know how many lives have been saved in Louisiana? I think we're up to like 25,000 at least here. It's, it's something
1: on the order of 20, 20 it's 20 to 30,000 lives.
0: Yeah. Since this I think thing it's more than that West here Russia. now. Uh, I haven't checked recently. I mean, but the thing is for the pro-life activists, I mean, there's real wins here and, and we should be Happy and continue to win hearts and minds. This is, you know, the right response was right afterwards when everybody was saying, now the work has begun because the work did begin and there's so much more work to do, but it is not going to happen at the federal level. And it shouldn't because conversely, let's imagine some kind of, you know, gun ban at the federal level. We don't like that either. We want the states to have the ability to do what they want to do, yeah. And move to you know this whole like mass exodus from California of conservatives trying to escape, and and you have these changes. I remember this one article um, about this couple very overwrought and said they were leaving Texas because they couldn't. And I was like, don't let the door hit you in the rear on your way out. You know, that's fine. That's what federalism is for. Go to be around the people who you agree with politically. Don't force it down the throats of people who don't. Now, the other MO of Democrats. No, Texas needs plenty out migration. Yeah,
1: we need need plenty of it. All these people moving in, they need to chase some people out. Exactly. that, that, that is that that's the yin and the yang of this is, you know, right. uh, I mean, price out some people that are, you know, unproductive citizens that are on welfare. What are like? Hey, chase them out. We're going to gentrify the whole state. Like, I mean, look, that's the way the left thinks about these things. Right. I mean, they're, they've chased all the middle class people out of California and what's replaced yep. them is illegal immigrants. Right. Who can vote. Yep. They're not supposed to, but they do. In you know, in the, in the millions. Um, you know, so, like, I don't understand why, you you know, you're going to try to fight fire with styrofoam. It, like, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Um, well, okay, so, we, I, to the point I was going to make here, as far as what the Democrats' MO is and the Republicans helping them, another thing that comes up, and this has happened with Paxton, but um is manufacturing legal um things against their enemies. So Elon Musk, you know, being investigated, okay. lawsuits flying all over the place and basically just trying to same way with what they're doing with Trump. They did that to the guy in Alaska. They did that to the guy in Minnesota. Uh, happened with Rick Perry here in Tarrant County, where they were going after him. Travis County, um, uh, you know, over and over and over, the left has used the M.O. to uh, sue, falsely accuse. They did that with Kavanaugh, making up a gang. Like you know, you know, Kavanaugh's a lot of things. I don't think he's the brightest bulb, but he's not running as a teen, a drunk teenager, a gang rape ring. And that was plausibly, you know, the, the media acted like that was a plausible uh, accusation and have continued to be like, now we have a rapist on the Supreme Court. And it's just idiotic. Right. Uh, and so, you know, the the a mentally unstable political um, activists will come out and, you know, the the family put in a bad position because they don't want to say, well, my daughter's crazy, but, you know um accusing Kavanaugh and now we have the same thing happening with Russell Brand who who has been extremely effective I don't know if you saw him um arguing with um um Bill Maher and um that interview that they had but he got the best of bill mar not once or yeah. twice but pretty much the entire time and, and mar was in the position of like defending big corporations who are um making all of this money when the taxpayers basically paid for the research and then now all big pharma's raking in hundreds of billions of dollars and um, are we sure this is in the Americans, in the world's best interest, what's happening? And Mara's like, ah, uh, you know? <laughs> and, um, and this has been the case with Russell Brand. I saw a really interesting interview with him and I forget who the guy was who interviewed Brand, um, but it was a very thoughtful, um, and so he's reaching some interesting um, people because on the one hand, he's not overtly saying, um making political like I'm a republican he's not saying that kind of thing he's I I mean I think
1: he's still very much left of center I oh, would put yeah. Russell Brand in the same boat as I would put Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and some yeah. of these guys like right. He's right. kind of an old school liberal right RFK Jr I would put in there yeah like they're not with us it's just that the the are kind of a Obama's more radical. crowd that has taken over the Democrat party is right. so far off the, the the mainstream um uh of American politics and culture but they've managed to capture the institutions that drive it
0: right. to
1: kind of bootstrap themselves into positions of of um you know uh, prominence I guess And that leaves a guy like Russell Brand aside, and he sort of gets to some degree red pilled, Um, you know. And so, yeah, he's a—I mean, he's got millions of people on YouTube and does this, you know, this whole thing. But what he does is he challenges the things that everyone knows are lies, Um, you know, whether it's pharma or whether it's any of these other things. Um, And of course, Bill Maher still works in mainstream media, um, and mainstream media, you are not allowed to criticize big pharma because that's like a third of the ad dollars that flow into, uh, all of these, you know, uh, megalithic media corporations that control all the channels. Um, and so, uh, you know, I mean, like you're not allowed to do that. So of course, Bill Maher is going to, going to get in brand's face when he talks about these things. But the point is, is that he's bad for business for all of these guys. All right. So first thing out of the gate, boom, the Daily Mail in uk I guess it was the Daily Mail or one of, one of the big papers in, in the UK goes in. Oh, we've had a four year investigation. It's like, well, no, what you had was a four year fishing expedition when this guy began to go off the reservation and do some things that y'all didn't like. And so you went out to try to find people that um, you know he had encounters with that they may complain about, and you know the big thing is, oh well, you know he's a rapist, and it's like, okay, well, what's the what's the allegations? Well, she'd already been in his house and had sex with him once, and so she goes to his house and has sex with him again, um, except this time she says she doesn't like it, and then supposedly six other times
0: she shows up over there. How many really times bad. do women get raped really and come really back for more? Sex. Really bad sex over and over again. Man, how many times really... do I, mean, I don't know
1: any women that, like, get raped and come back for more. Right. I don't know anybody like that. Um, you know, and there's another allegation. Well, he had sex with a 16-year-old. It's like, well, that's the age of consent in Great Britain.
0: Right.
1: Like, nobody denies the fact that Russell Brand was a dirtbag his whole life. No, right. He doesn't deny it. But he, he
0: doesn't deny it, he
1: yeah. He put his, his responses out. He says, I've been very promiscuous, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, you have all the stuff and it's like, yeah, but none of this is actually news. Everybody knew that he was a sexual bad boy coming up as a comedian and a, and a you know, actor and a TV personnel. Everybody knew that about him. The difference is nobody was doing any of that stuff before. The difference is Russell Brand all of a sudden goes off the reservation on mm-hmm. politics and business and culture and all of these things that, you know, this whatever machine doesn't, you know, they don't like what he's saying. So now he has to be destroyed. Right. You know, and the thing is, is like, I'm not a huge fan of Russell Brand. I agree with all the stuff you say, things that he says are thoughtful. You know, you know I'm not sure how genuine I, I really agree all this is, but it's clear what's happening here. Between
0: well, I think Russell and the thing Brand is, is and I, I don't think it matters. Like, in some ways, I, I look at it, no, it doesn't matter. I look at what he says, and half of it, I, I'm like, ah, you know, but and it's not like I'm paying attention to what Russell Brand's coming up with day in and day out. My thing is, is that anyone who challenges the power structures that currently exist, whether it be in the media, or politics or whatever, is right. being destroyed. And yes. you know, and Trump said something in his interview. He's like, I don't think we have much of a democracy right now. You know, and the, you know, the, Clearly, no. the info babe was kind of like, oh, you know, and I'm like, and she was trying to say, and I, I'm bringing this up because it, it, it pertains to what's happening to Brand. She said to him, to Trump, so when you get appointed and attorney general, are you out for revenge? And are you going after your political enemies? And I'm like, all Biden has been doing is right. using the DOJ as his personal Gestapo to go after his political enemies. And now we have a, um, uh, you know, we have Trump being put on the hot seat. And what he said was, I just want somebody who deals with the law fairly and believes in the rule of law. And she kept trying to, you know, pin on him that he would be, um, going after his political enemies when that is what, and is exactly being done. And the Democrats own every institution. And so Russell Brand, who is a complete, When he was a complete degenerate, was a perfect spokesperson for the left. They loved him. Yep. He gets sober. He straightens out his life. He's on marriage and kid number three. He's in recovery. He's doing the 12 steps. It's obvious. He's every single day trying to do the right thing. And he's trying to have honest conversations, whether I agree with them or not is immaterial. The fact is, is he is allowed to do that. But not in this political climate. No, sir. If he is not saying that big pharma and the government and wars are great, you know, the fact that he's asking questions about the Ukraine war, well, how dare he have questions about an utterly corrupt state having been used to money launder money through from the West through a war which is getting people killed? Oh, heaven forbid. You know, so all of these types of things that, you know, perspectives that he has in the audience. And I, I'm curious, do you know who his audience is? Like, I I don't actually know, like, who I mean, he's got uh, I millions of people following him. But what's as his I audience? understand
1: it. His audience is pretty similar to Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate. It's it's my and, and Rogan. It's it's very much the same people. Um So, you know, I, his his may skew a little younger than Rogan's but I think it's pretty much the same folks. And it's a, and it's a a whole bunch of single men that are, that are, you know, that are Russell Brand uh, viewers. So, you know, like he's talking to really what, what are kind of the swing voters, for example, in America, like we talk about this number all the time, but Married men are R plus 20, married women are R plus 14, single men are R plus 7, and uh, single women are D plus 37. So the battlefield is the single men, and they listen to Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, and Russell Brand and Joe Rogan, okay, and Elon Musk on Twitter, which is a disaster for the left, Right. right? And, you know, who are the people that are absolutely the most attacked right now? It's Russell brand now it's Elon Musk with all the lawsuits and all this other garbage it's it's you know Rogan when Rogan went off the reservation on on the covid shot you know and and oh, yeah. look at Andrew Tate okay so this is what's going on you are you know you are not allowed to speak uh you know something other than our truth to these people that may be persuaded mm-hmm. won't have it Right. So we have to dirty these guys up and we've got to you know, turn them into uh, into monsters mm-hmm. that nobody will listen to. You know, the thing of it is, is that the more they do this stuff to Jordan Peterson, for example, the more popular he gets, because everybody knows that what he's saying is true. Right. was a time gonna when do, this- they're do the same thing to Tucker Carlson, because I don't right. think he has Sorry. exactly the same audience, right. um, but he's got a massive audience and it's going to include a lot of these people. And so anybody who's an independent voice who's challenging some of these narratives, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're going to attack them because the people that are probably listening more, more than anybody else are single men, Mm -hmm. right? The married people, it's like, you know, they're, they don't have enough time to soak in all this stuff. The single women are like completely bought into the Vogue and Cosmo and you know, the Barbie movie freaking mindset and like, you know, they're D plus 37. So the battlefield is a single man now. Um, and, you know, so you just don't allow anybody to speak to them, period. Right. And so we're going to make any, anybody who's willing to challenge the, our democracy narrative, anybody who's willing to challenge that, we're going to turn them into a monster. We're going to turn them into a crank. We're going to, we're going to hit them up with, uh, you know, some sort of sexual assault um, uh, allegations that that discredit them and make them look like you know unsympathetic um, people and and ruin their credibility. It's how it works.
0: Well, he, I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say this some, out, You know. Like, yeah, I'm going to say something controversial here about Bill Cosby. If everybody knew Bill Cosby was a dirty dog, but no one really said anything about it until. Until he made the point about the black community having to do better, and once he went down that road, all bets were off, and that's when the allegations came forward. And um, so, you know, the this is the M.O. of the left. The you know, Hillary talked about the politics of personal destruction. Well, that is the M.O. of the left. Yeah. And that's what they do. Now you bring up something really interesting in the mix of all your data and stuff about women. I watched a um, documentary this last week uh, about um, the, it was called the baby gap maybe. And basically it was talking about how the data around um, the falling birth rates is, have you heard about this or seen this at all? Okay. Well, I'm bringing this up because that plus 37, um, Democrat women are the saddest group of people in the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing I didn't realize is that for people who are getting married and having children, they're having the same amount of children. What's happening now though, is that a good third of women, um, are not, uh, having children. 10% 10% are choosing not to actively, 10% can't. So 20% of that third um, you know, can't or won't have babies. But 80% of them would like to have babies and like to uh, be married, but either um, um, pr- price themselves out of it by their age or didn't find a part- suitable partner or whatever. But the interesting thing about that to me was when they were interviewing um, and and now this is anecdotal, um, but as they interviewed all these young women, so many young women in their 20s and 30s are completely, totally brainwashed. All of them were talking about their careers. All of them were talking about the... um, how they wanted to advance themselves and they were just having fun and unattached or whatever. Their prime years for finding a mate and and having children, they were spending on frivolous baloney. Uh-huh. And I have news for these young women. If any of them happen to be watching this, you can have that frivolous time, by the way, once your kids are grown. Yeah. You can do whatever you and You want. actually
1: have the resources to really enjoy it.
0: To really enjoy it, yeah, you know, um, but you cannot go back and have children. you know, i I've, I had a patient at one time come into my office who was um she'd married an older man and um you know, forty five something like that, and got pregnant with twins and he had already had a family. and she said to me, you know, I didn't realize how hard parenting was, <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Yeah, uh, it's difficult." Well, when you you're meant to have children when you're younger, and and I understand that some people just can't find a mate, you know. And I feel really badly for those people like who are sincerely looking, and and time goes by, and they don't find that person. Listen,
1: let me interject this real fast, and then uh, uh, the culture, okay the mm-hmm. culture is built to make it harder for people to find a mate yes and it's not an accident it is a real thing it's and and you can see it in all the tv shows you watch in all the commercials on the tv shows you watch in all of the um movies that are out there in music and everything else it's all i mean it's all built to Deny people the impetus and motivation to get married and make even look, even the dating apps are set up to keep people from getting married. Yep. I mean, we could have an entire podcast on the way they built dating apps and, uh, you know, what a what a futile exercise it is for most people to get involved in any of those. Um, right. So, I mean, the point the point is, is that, and then you just do the Cui Bono analysis, like who benefits from this? Well, the machine benefits from it, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the the people in power, the hard left that control all of these institutions, they get to stay that way the more D plus 37 demographic are out there. Um, and, you know, and then you gonna message to men and get them to do things that make women not want to get engaged with
0: them. Well, and then the, if you think about the abortion industry on top of this already crazy dynamic and we probably should you and I are both single, you and I have both used dating apps. I think that it, this is something this is an area where I think that um people are afraid to talk about kind of the um pernicious effects on the culture even those dating apps have and what and on the individuals who use them. Uh-huh. Um Anyway, we can talk about that another time, but I think you layer on, so some of these young women have an abortion and maybe abort the only baby that they could ever have and um, in a situation where they could raise the baby. And so like, this is a terrible thing and it's a catastrophic thing demographically. When I was looking at it, and looking around the world, and this is a problem in Japan, all throughout absolutely. Europe, it's a problem in China. It, the only place they're not having this problem, and the, the key word here is yet, is South Africa, um, is Africa in general, the continent in general. But already in certain places, it's happening. And um, it's a problem. The, this demographic implosion is absolutely devastating. And it's gonna be terrible for all of us as we age. And the and the thing is, is that um you're you do get sick of your career at a certain point, women. And um and well, men and we, do too.
1: And we've talked about, well, exactly, but like we've talked about this in a couple of podcasts we've done. I mean, it, like so many of these careers are secretarial work paper pushing, right? You're sitting in an office somewhere and your boss is a guy, right? right? So you're kind of sort of married to your boss, (laughs) right? Who doesn't love you, by the way. And you get to the point where you're, you know, 40 years old and it's like, um, house full of cats, kind of empty personal life, you know, not hot anymore. And, you know, what do I got to show for this? Right. 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 And these are the these are the like horrendously miserable people. And they've been made that way because of what's been messaged to them. And I can't remember what the woman's. I need to go back and look, look this woman's name up. But she was the mom who went to Princeton and told the girls, hey,
0: yeah, while
1: you're here at this Ivy League school, Spigen. find a dude and marry him. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, my God, you can't say that. What is this, the 1950s or whatever? And she's like, no, it's good advice. Right, like these are the these are the best the best pool of guys they're ever going to find. I wonder how many of the women that the college girls that heard that and freaking threw a fit about it. Now that it's ten years later, like I wonder if you could you know if you could find a way to round them all up and do a survey. I wonder how many of them are like, ah, oh, I wish I'd listened to her. I wonder how many you can find because my guess is probably most of them. Now that they're all in their you know early to mid thirties. I Chances saw like, a good number. I'm like, eh, probably could have done that when I was in college.
0: I don't know though. There's a real hard headedness there, there. I was watching this. I'm totally fascinated with these mass ma- matchmaking shows. And so I was watching one that was like a Yenta, and she was down in Miami and she paired this woman with a really like a super quality guy. Now he wasn't, um, like, you know, what the conventional, you know, 25 year old hot guy, he was a a grown ass man and whatever. And I was sitting there going, any normal woman of a certain age would be interested in this guy. He was educated. He was, um, a nice person, like all the good things. And this woman, because he didn't, you know, um, uh, excite her in the way a like a teenage right. girl would be interested in being excited right right um uh kind of, kind of rejected the, you know, him the 66's six
1: type of type of analysis that that you get so much of is that what we're talking about or is he just he just wasn't a hot guy
0: well no he was i mean he he wasn't bad looking he was okay. just a middle-aged guy you know and right. so like he's not going to look like he did when he was 18 of course But she was kind of had this Hollywood ideal or something. And, and yet, you know, her parents had been married for 60 years. They wanted a grandchild. This woman was 40 and she wanted very much to have a baby. And I was like, if that's what you want, you are doing everything opposite to get what you want. You know what I mean?
1: But That's the brainwashing that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so I think that the D37 plus 37, I don't think they're getting better. And I do no. think that the the young men um, who are listening to um, the Russell Brands and all of these guys are a real threat to um, the power structure. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a weird situation that we're in where uh, we have this kind of dichotomy between men and women, um, this kind of, a, a, and there's a fight. Are we gonna have this kind of weirdly feminized, overly protected kind of COVID society forever where everything is, assur- I wrote this last week uh-huh. um, about the surveillance state and how uh-huh. every single part and piece of our life, it's like a psychotic mother, always watching their kid never letting their kid have some freedom you know we have a whole society now of that parent who you know like slathered their kid with uh zinc and then put long sleeves and you know the little kid is like walking out to the beach you know and not going to get any sun and the kid's allergic to everything and can't eat this and can't eat that we have a whole society now kind of run that way and big de- mommy government is going to surveil us and make sure we're we're doing what we should yeah. for our own good absolutely and it's kind of
1: well in well, this you know um here's like just one kind of thought to throw out at you from a cultural standpoint okay but we're going to talk about the single men who are r plus seven and the single women who are d plus 37 okay so um and i mean we've talked about this a million times all the movies uh the girls beat up the guys in the movies right like the, all of them like tv shows everything it's all of the ads the father or the husband is a dunce and is a weakling like there was a um it's a i don't remember what car commercial it is it was like a jeep wagoneer or something and it's the guy and the girl and they're gonna go like rock climbing or they're gonna go spelunking in a cave or whatever. And like of course she's gone a million times. He's never gone before and he's Mm -hmm. terrified. And it's like this isn't just being cute in a commercial. This is actual like messaging stuff, right? Like this is kind of the new normal to the way it's supposed to be. And you see this everywhere. So you're getting all of this and it's all um it's all messaging that's kind of a girl power type of thing that's aimed at single women, right? right. And of course, <laughs> any guy who's been on, you know, dates catches this, well, men just can't handle a strong, independent woman, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that messaging being kind of focused into somebody's brain and burning a hole through it, right? And of course, you know, the comeback is, yeah, but who wants to pet a porcupine? Um, so anyway, the deal is, Men are insulated from this a little because most of the culture that so many men ingest, okay, is not books and TV and movies and, you know, like stories per se, because sports eats up so much of their time, right? Mm -hmm. Guys watch lots of sports and sports is the quintessential conservative Meritocracy story, right? Right. And so, you know, what do you see with the left? It's nonstop attacks on, oh, you know, these guys, these football players get concussions and it causes brain damage. It does like, yeah, but that guy's worth $30 million. And every single poor kid in America would be him in a heartbeat, regardless of how many concussions he's had. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the trade off. And everybody's for it. You know, he's got generational wealth in his family. Like, you know, make sure the guy's getting paid, and make sure that he's, you know, uh, not going broke after the fact. And you know, hey, that's the trade-off. Oh no, no, we can't have that because you know we have to do these things. And so they're changing the game over and over again to make it safer, right? And it's like so you watch an any NFL game, and I mean, the minute there's an impressive tackle the flag goes out and it's targeting and the guy gets thrown out of the game and the whole bit, it gets fined in the whole bit. Um, and it's all because, you know, they don't want to show brutality to this overly feminist audience that, that keeps coming up and half the merchandise the NFL is trying to sell during the commercials, during the games is aimed at women. And it's like, yeah, but they're not even watching. And the guy, like the, the people that are buying that merch for the women, are their husbands and boyfriends? Hey, if you're going to go to the Eagles game with me, you need a jersey, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, the, the, the impact that sports makes on sort of the cultural intake that all these men get um, mm-hmm. makes it more difficult to turn them into the woke drones that it's increasingly easy to turn
0: single women into. Um, hey, by the way, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was thinking about um, I'm really like kind of excited about what Deion Sanders is doing. Like they had a, a third good week. You're not happy about it.
1: It's not that I'm not happy about it. That's the most overhyped team in the history of football.
0: Oh, there's no question about that. Colorado
1: but- State is horrible horrible football team, will win four or five games in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. And they took Colorado to the wire and should have won that game. But for right. the 16 penalties they committed and, like, constant mistakes they made, Colorado's going to play Oregon, and it's going to get ugly.
0: Fast. All right. Well, I'm excited about seeing that game. Um... I mean, they're fun. look, don't get me wrong. Colorado's fun to watch. With yeah. This, oh, the whole
1: college landscape has changed, and I'm like, they're gonna go seven and five if they're lucky. Like, give it a break, will you?
0: And well, still, that that's a big change. I don't know. It's it, a nice so change,
1: I... but it's this is so over the top; it's not even funny.
0: Okay, so the interview. I'm just gonna say this one thing because I, I I was impressed with the um, interview that Deion Sanders gave bo- with ESPN before the game started. And he was, his language and the way he was talking. So there is a, um, a, a psychologist who has talked about basically, uh, uh, learned helplessness and how to be happy, uh, Seligman is his name. And he, he talks about the power of language and, and how, and predictive it is and everything and everything out of Sanders mouth, both to the the newscasters he was talking to and also about his own team and what they were trying to achieve was textbook in how to to build up um, and have belief. Now, after the game, he said, well, we played like hot garbage. And, you know, we ultimately won, which is the important po- point. He was honest about what the team was like, but, you know, it was a bad day, but we won. So, okay. Yeah. But I thought that, you know. The
1: caveat to that that Bill Arnsparger used to say when he was the coach at LSU is, is, is well, if you're going to play like shit, at least win the game.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> you know? It was an ugly win, but it was a win. And it goes in the win column just the same, you know. Right. Um, and that was what that was. I just think that um, that kind of um, positive uh, messaging to a, a group of young people and then coupling that with the hard work and all of the other things that he's like championing and discipline. And oh. he's kind of saying some things that um, a lot well, of he's the things that successful
1: coaches say. Well, that's I mean, right. Like, I, You know, like, and he's going to be successful there. But, but like, you know, if you want to, if you want somebody that it's, I mean, talk about using pop psychology in a competitive uh, thing is PJ Fleck, who's the coach at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a cult that he builds. He has this whole thing about um, the, the, the motto. And, and it was at Western Michigan where he first started coaching. And now it's at Minnesota is row your row, the boat. Mm-hmm. right? Because a guy who's rowing the boat is not actually watching where he's going. He's trusting that his rowing will get him where he wants to be. Right. right? And so it's all about, look, forget about results. Your job is to make maximum effort within the process. And that will drive the results. Right. Nick Saban talks about that too. It's all about the process. It's not right. about, you know, who's winning. And so, You know, every time one of these reporters asks Saban about, you know, wins and results or whatever, he bites their head off because to him, it's all about the process. Um, But like that, you see that across the board with good sports coaches. And I mean, again, that is a meritocratic society where it's, you have to do the right things with sufficient effort and sufficient um, um, constancy to drive the results that you get there's no other way to do it and if you could build that in everyone's life there would be no reason for radical political change or any of that kind of stuff because people who consistently do the right things with maximum effort are consistently successful after a fashion Mm -hmm. and you don't have enough of them and so oh well we have to change the system so that the people that don't do the right things can actually make out. How well does that work? And the answer is it doesn't, but it does create more miserable people who will then work, you know, vote for the radical change. And it all comes down to this, by the way.
0: It all does. It really does. Which is why I brought it up, because I think it's such a central thing. And it's been exciting to see. The um, because sports is kind of back. I, I felt kind of like it was limping along after COVID. This is a year that I and, feel and, like the,
1: and all the Black Lives Matter kneeling and for the national, all life. that stuff is, that done. is finally passed. And I think people, particularly on the right, don't give themselves enough credit because the NFL and and you know, NBA and some of these other sports really took it in the wallet when the fans reacted so negatively to it right um and you still got these people that to write like, ah, i don't care about pro sports like, no 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 take the win take because the win they have end racism in the back of the end zone and all the stadiums in the nfl i don't know if you've seen that no which is kind of a whatever okay i mean that's like kind of i'm sure they focus grouped and least offensive thing they could put
0: i love it. it's like like there's a whole lot of people who are like yay racism Yeah, exactly well, why
1: would you want to end racism it's like okay all right fine i get it this is sort of a stop <laughs> right. to those guys that keep them from kneeling right and yeah. destroying everybody's money but, but it's you know it's kind of when it's like yeah yeah whatever right like we all get it right but like you don't see the woke messaging out of the nfl and the nba and baseball like you yeah. saw five years ago right That's gone. They have given that up. And it was conservatives who forced them to give it up. And I just would say that we should probably do a podcast on this and get a guest and talk about it, because it's actually a real thing. Okay, is um, this is an what has happened with sports is an example Mm -hmm. of how the right has cultural power. If it's willing to exercise it, certainly showed that with Bud Light and Target and some of these other ones. But the right has the cultural power to force corporate America, of which these big pro sports leagues are are part, you can force them to change their behavior. Yes. That is what needs to be celebrated rather than, ah, I swore them off and I don't want to have any. No, no. Reward them for good behavior. Punish them for bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to do is you're going to get the woke people fired because they're going to understand. Well, no, you're actually doing the wrong things and costing us money, so you got to go. And right. that's how you actually can retake corporate America. And if the right would get serious about this and understand carrots and sticks when it comes to, um, you know, these big corporations, you really could get somewhere without having to go win all the elections.
0: Right. Well, and I, I think like what you say, you know, take the win. I think that everybody should take the win. I've actually enjoyed watching sports this year. This is like the first year in many years pretty, where that's pretty good football and, year so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. And so like, I think that the America through this kind of process may, might find its way again. I mean, I'm hopeful we'll see. Yeah. Um, and there just needs to be more community joy, and it's been it's been fun seeing that happen again in a in a more um, a less politicized way and just a more enjoyable way where everybody's just having a good time together, and yeah. um, and letting the rest of this crap go. And I yeah, do well, think that the happier the people are, the worse it is. You know, they're struggling uh, financially. And they're struggling with inflation and they're struggling with all those things. And they're having, but if they're having joy with some of this stuff over here, that's kind of a toxic brew for Democrats because they want everybody to be culturally miserable and just enough people at the top to be economically good. And then they don't care really about the people. And so, like, this is. Um, We'll see what happens in the, you know, this next election cycle. But I think people are sick to death of how things have been the last however many years. It hasn't been good. And um, so hopefully people are ready for something positive to happen. We'll see.
1: There are always green shoots, Melissa. You just got to look for them.
0: Yes, always. Well, and the thing is I, I there are lots of them right now. And I guess that's what pisses me off so much about like Lindsey Graham not to end on that note, but is that he deprived the pro-life movement by what he did of yeah. the of the joy of the win. Yeah. And um purposefully did so. Yeah. And and even now people are playing along to his stupid fiddle So like, we should still be celebrating the Dobbs win. We should be celebrating the changes in the lives saved. And we should be working and plugging away at the state level bit by bit to win hearts and minds. And and it is possible to do that. Dobbs didn't get overturned without systematic work. All these laws that have been changing systematic work the cultural things that are happening where you know target and everybody's backing off this ESG bull you know because conservatives have dug their feet in and been like no and then average people too are like well yeah this is stupid i mean uh-huh. we can't say this out loud we don't want people to know how we really feel but yeah this is true this is stupid and uh-huh. and so like hearts and minds are being won uh-huh. and um so your revivalist manifesto everybody should go out and read it because that um is a positive message for you know what America can be again and yeah. you know so be encouraged and don't yeah. listen to the Debbie downers especially when it comes to pro life things um there is a way to win that there we've shown that there's ways to win and we're we are winning And so, all right. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Um, Thank you for um, making this a really good episode, Scott. I think this was something that everybody needs to hear. And, um, you know, go over to the American Spectator. Both of us have pieces up about the topics that we're talking about today and read us there. Um, And for those of you who watch this and are at the website and whatever, and know that we've had emailing issues, we're fixing them. Just know that. So um, I wanted to put a little PSA there at the end for those of you who are like, wondering what's happening to my emails. We're getting it fixed. Anyway, so thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week.